definitely technology is the one who's going to enable not only all these optimizations of the schedule, but at the same time, all these conversations because the data is there. We have the data available. Use that data for us to make better decisions and perform better. How the players in the chain should be pursuing improvements on the project performance. It doesn't matter if it's the owner, the government, the ENC, contractor. If the project goes well, then there is value generated and then to be shared among everyone out the ecosystem. Infrastructure, mining, consumer goods. Recent announcements suggest that a new wave of public and private investments could heat up the Brazilian market for large capital projects in the coming years. However, the industry needs to pursue the productivity leaps achieved by other sectors. Digital and advanced analytics capabilities will be critical for companies to capture pan-up opportunities. What does this new wave of investments look like? What gains are generated through advanced technology? What are emblematic examples of the use of digital and analytics in capital projects? We are about to answer this and other questions. So welcome to a brand new episode of McKinsey Talks. I'm Mariana Almeida, and here with me at the McKinsey Studio in Sao Paulo is Roberto Charron, senior expert in Miami and one of McKinsey's global leaders in digital capex. Guilherme Cabrera is also here, our guest today. He's an expert associate partner in Belo Horizonte and leader of capital projects in Brazil. So welcome, Roberto and Guilherme. It's such a pleasure to have you here today with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Very happy to be receiving you here in Brazil, Roberto. So before we start today's episode, I would like to remark that McKinsey Talks is a series of video and podcast interviews of around 20 minutes with McKinsey experts and guests from different industries. Our aim here is to initiate conversations on relevant topics for business agendas. So let's move on with our conversation. Guilherme, how big is the potential for capital projects in Brazil and Latin America in the coming years? We see a potentially important wave of CapEx coming to Brazil, coming to, to the region. Brazil has historically had important projects in materials sectors, such as pulp and paper, mining, agriculture. But uh, we, in addition to this, that is uh, common in Brazil from time to time, we have huge, huge projects. We also see important projects that may arrive in other sectors. For example, infrastructure. We see recent renewals of concessions. The concessions normally come with commitments to additional capex. So sectors such as transportation, uh, water and sanitation, they need to increase the, the volume of capex invested. In addition to that, we see the, the energy transition, that this is an, a global topic, but Brazil has a huge potential. Green energy, we have lots of sun, and also wind. So the, Brazil is a place to invest naturally. The carb of the current industrial network in Brazil also is important and will require capex. And finally, we see the nearshoring. This has already started in other places like Mexico. Brazil is still to start and to confirm if this is, will be captured by, by the country. But this might also generate good opportunities for players that want to come to Brazil, invest here. 
So, I mean, we see positive outlooks for CapEx in the region, right? We see the, the recently announced uh, PAC, the investments from the government. It's our version of the One Trillion Act, right, for, for Brazil. And they will cover several sectors where we need, we really need investments. So also this tends to be good for the country in general. Okay, great. And Guilherme, what are the obstacles to realizing this full potential on this scenario? So you mentioned a lot of opportunities, especially with green business building that I know it's something very big here. We just did a McKinsey Talks on that. And so what are the obstacles in this scenario? Well, Historically, CapEx is quite a complex challenge, even, even more complex if it's large, right, Sharon? Uh, but we see a, story, a history globally of low productivity. Brazil is not different. So the productivity very low makes it even more complex to make happen those large projects. We also see a history of CapEx cost overrun, schedule overruns, delays, etc. And this, I mean, makes the investments less attractive, right? Uh, in addition to that, we see that lately the projects have been uh, uh, becoming even more complex with time because we have more requirements. They have to be designed from the beginning to be carbon zero. They have to be designed to meet even more requests from, you know, several stakeholders. And in addition to that, supply chains, global supply chains have been you know, more complex disruptions everywhere. So this also makes very complex. More specifically to Brazil, and we see a shortage of skilled labor for projects. And I see Sharon nodding. So I'm very yeah, curious to, to listen about how this is globally, right? I see the problem happening and you describe a lot of the problems that are happening at a global level. I'll take on two which is my favorite ones. It's a lack of productivity, very low productivity, and not enough labor available in the market to go into construction, right? We're suffering this globally. It's not something that, you know, when I go to clients and tell me, oh, we have this problem here, like, don't feel fortunate because you have that problem. It's happening everywhere in the world. The other one that I'll add to that, which I think is, is very important is uh, capabilities, right? Capability is, is, is a big problem. We have been very, not only, not only very slow to adopt new technology, but very slow to really focus on capability. I, I always bring to my clients that often we say, oh, people is our more important asset in any construction project, but we kind of neglect them. I mean, we don't train them enough. We don't skill them enough. And it's something that I've been talking to, to people all over the world about. We need to upscale and upgrade the skills and capabilities of the people we have. So how do we reskill some of the people? That's really where we have the big, big problem. And that's why we have such low productivity, not only because we don't have enough people, but also because we don't have the right skills in there. Especially with AI and all the new technologies that yes. we're going to talk. Yes, and we'll talk about that, but it's like, how do we actually use all this technology that has been developed and in other industries, right? And now we're acquiring them and focusing in construction. Uh, how do we use them to really upscale our people and, and try to solve, you know, those are good problems to have with the lot of technology that we have nowadays, right? So. Yeah, and this, this point of capability building meets the, the last challenge I wanted to bring to here. Brazil has, I mean, been through a period of reduced investment levels. 
And what happened is that the engineering and construction industry has reduced in size, right? So the players, they still have good capabilities. They are good. They know engineering. They know how to do the projects, but they are smaller. And if they want to catch up to this potentially increased capex, they need to grow again to have larger scale again. This will require more people. This will require for sure the capability building of these new people for them to meet, you know, this new, hopeful, hopefully the, this new level of capex that the country needs to reach, right? And it, it is as much as their problem as the problem of the industry. Because we think it's like, oh no, you know, this company need to focus on this, but how we as an industry in Brazil, in North America, start working close to those guys to help them, help them grow. Traditionally, what happened in, in construction with engineering companies, with contractors, is that we have a project and at the end of the project, we have to fire everybody, right? Now we don't have any more work. So we go from being medium to big, uh, to being very small, right? For we don't know how many years, especially when we have uh, all these companies working with public sector. Change in the government, now we don't have any projects. So, you know, the industry needs to solve the problem on how do we actually keep a steady flow of work to all these companies so we can help them grow and stabilize and not being in this ups and down of, of the industry itself. And otherwise you would have to train everybody again. Yes. Hire again, train again, and have the work again. Which is what happened every project, right? We let the people go, they disappear, they probably go to some other project or many move into other industries. And, and then we lose all that talent, right? We're not very good at keeping that talent in, within the industry. We have more and more people going out on this street, not only because they're retired, but because they're other industries and other, uh, other professionals that are as profitable as one job in construction could be, but with the less hassle, right, of having to go into a project and, and be sweaty and dusty there. So you talked about the obstacles worldwide, but how about the potential that we were talking about Brazil? What about the CapEx potential worldwide? What do you think globally? As Guillermo was saying, right, there's a lot of investment happening all over the world. So there, there's a big potential for small companies to be turned into large companies. There's a lot of potential for people entering the industry, right? I mean, that's something that we're trying to figure out in North America is how do we actually bring more people? Because we have, Canada has a lot of projects, a lot of investment. North America with the Infrastructure Act, right? And all these new companies working on green energy. We've seen a, a lot of growth. Uh, when it comes to investment in capital projects. And we're trying to figure out not only how to use technology, but to how to bring more people into construction. Because there's, there, I mean, it's growing everywhere. As I said, I've seen a lot of growth in uh, Europe and Africa. In North America, definitely is, gonna, is a big boom. As I see also here in, in Brazil, right? I mean, what you described looks like very promising for growth in the, of the industry. I think that it, it will materialize some way or another one, either with the traditional infrastructure projects or with the new green energy, right? We've seen, we've seen a lot of that uh, in the States and, and I work in a lot of those projects in Europe, so they will come. It's like, how do we actually make sure that we make these projects profitable? So going back a little bit to what we said at the beginning of our conversation, it seems that digital and advanced analytics will be key in capturing opportunities. Roberto, why are these capabilities becoming so important in this industry? I think that we see the, the shortage of people and capabilities. So the way to leverage that 
lack of people and lack of capabilities by the use of new tools. So we have talked about lean construction to help improve productivity. And as an industry, we have, the construction industry, have been very slow in adopting new technology. We know that, we all know that. There's many McKinsey reports who talk about that. And I think that is like, how can we leverage all this technology to really help us create visibility over performance, optimize the project, and not have the people working on that, but using that technology while they're dedicating themselves to something else. I was last week with a client, and we are in the process of replanning one of the very first milestones that, that they have to do. And they spend hours, spend like three weeks just to plan like probably three months of work, then three weeks. And we're able now with digital technology to take what would they build in, in three weeks and us to run in one hour, like 30 different scenarios, right? While these guys will take them probably another three weeks, we're able in one hour to, to build three diff, 30 different scenarios, take the top three scenarios, optimize them again, mix them up, right? And sit down in half hour with these people, review them and pick one. So that's how technology is helping people, right? We don't have to spend any time I'd rather have these guys on the field, like trying to increase productivity with the front line than just as, as well as saying construction, trying to figure out how to optimize the schedule. So this is a real value that technology is bringing. It's helping us really optimize and use them as a lever while we can go do other, other things. I, I'd rather have like my superintendents on the field rather than just fiddling with the schedule. I've always seen clients uh, on the last years looking for transparency, you know, alerts, KPIs, centralized views to control the projects. Yes. This is not, I mean, totally new. No. But uh, I've been seeing uh, much more people interested on, you know, analytics, optimization, and lately on generative AI yes. applied to construction, right? Yes. Do we have good examples on those technologies? We do have very good examples in technology, in that technology, especially because, as you said, they've been for a long time out there. But the benefit that they're bringing now, of course, is like how fast can we really have? I mean, it'll take probably a week for my team many years ago to put a dashboard together and uh, to get the data, put a dashboard together, and then probably I'll go and I'll find one or two mistakes in there. So the benefit that this technology is bringing is that it's creating transparency very fast. And then you, once you have that transparency, you can actually use it and it will provide real insights because it will be pretty much real time. And this is what we're getting to, pretty much real time information. Well, when I used to get a dashboard, it was like probably a week old, two week old. And the same with the schedule, right? The, the schedule yeah. that you will go and perform, then you got a team going into a room, they will update the schedule, take them about a month, and then your schedule was like two months old. So we, all, this, all these tools are helping us bring real-time information to us. I'm working with a client in North America. We're designing what we call a project delivery navigator. And it's, it's a collection of dashboards, but it will not only give them insights as to how performance is going in the project, cost is going in the project, but we can actually now start double-clicking and getting to the root cause of the problem. So we're creating like a way for somebody who's external to the project to start double clicking and say, okay, what help do you need from me? 
and I can either see it there or I can just call the people or we can just in a, our weekly cadence of meetings, we can just discuss it. But it's like not only visibility of our performance and cost and schedule, right, that we traditionally have it, but double click into what actions have been taken to actually fix performance. At any given and time. also recommendations, right? Yes. Generative scheduling, generating uh, millions of schedules, pos yes. possible schedules, and then yes. choosing the best one for the, for the situation, right? Yes, and that's happening now. This particular client, in conjunction with this control tower, kind of that we're putting together, we have the whole flow of the planning process and how we insert into that planning process something like generative scheduling. It's like how do we every day have a better schedule. And I think that this is one thing that I use with my teams all the time. Our goal should be to have a better schedule every day so we can actually go and execute better, have better results, and close that feedback PDCA right loop of continuous improvement. And definitely technology is the one who's gonna enable not only all these optimizations of the schedule, but at the same time, all these conversations because the data is there. We have the data available. We often say that we have data rich and insight poor because we have this data, but we don't know what to do with it. Advanced analytics, generative schedule, scheduling, and our visualization of data is helping us use that data for us to make better decisions and perform better. And do all these elements just commented contribute to the relationship between project owners, so the companies that make the investments and construction companies, the ones that execute? I imagine that all of these elements can be part of this relationship to help them. It's helping, definitely. It's helping also with collaboration, right, between these different parties. But if the investors are putting the money, they want to know at any given time how the project's going, which is what happened. The project's going well until the day before we need to start the project, which is not going well, and they don't have visibility on that. So that is a very good question because this technology is being pushed by owners, it's been pushed by investors, it's been pushed by governments. We are supporting the government of Victoria in Australia with a big, a very large training program. It's called AMPLA, Australian Major Project Leadership Academy. And it's basically sponsored by the government of Victoria. And they actually want the major project leaders of all their infrastructure projects to attend this program and know what's the latest and greatest in processes, what's the best in class digital tools that we have there, how can they apply it, how do we help these leaders develop the leadership skills that they should have to work with their teams. So you see also that it's not only investors, it's also governments, right, who are pushing the agenda of using digital tools, enhancing uh, their leaders' uh, capabilities. Uh, for them to also, in, especially in public sector, right, where you respond to people's money. How do we perform better and how we deliver more with less? I think that how the players in the chain should be pursuing improvements on the project performance. It doesn't matter if it's the owner, the government, the ENC, contractor, doesn't matter. I mean, if, if the project goes well, then there is value generated and then to be shared among everyone, right? Out yeah. the ecosystem, yeah. Yeah, out the ecosystem. That's a very good point, but traditionally, it's not been like that, right? We've been siloed 
And now we need to push the agenda, change the mindset of like being a silo to collaboration. And this is, I think, a very good point that has been brought lately into the whole conversation about the industry. How do we collaborate better? And how, how do we have, how do we get all in the same page when it comes to mindset? The mindset of we don't need to hire the least expensive, which is what we do. We go to biddings and we get the guy who's the cheapest one and that's what we get. We're not getting the most value probably out of that. But when we actually try to stabilize and standardize the thinking, right, about value, how do we deliver more value? And you change that, then you change the mindset. And then you change the mindset to how do we collaborate together to deliver more value for ourselves, for the project, for the owner, right? And, and everybody's in the same page. But I think that we need to change the mindset when it comes to the traditional mindset of the industry, working in silos and optimizing for myself. Absolutely agree. And now this real-time transparency can enable even increased collaboration, right? Yes, because you are going to have the right conversations at the right moment. Usually we have the right conversations, but they're like very late into everything passed and now, we, now it's not there anymore. The conversation is great here, but unfortunately we are reaching the end of our session. So I would like to know if you would like to leave a final message to our audience for CapEx leaders. For CapEx, I think there's hope and we're going to continue to improve as an industry. I think that there's a lot of technology out there that we have to start looking at for those who haven't looked at and for us to start using. So I think that I'm hopeful that we will be able not only to be transforming the people, but uh, transforming the industry as a whole. So that's great. How about you, Guilherme? I told in the beginning, I see this potential wave of investments in Brazil. Brazil needs that. Brazil has a historic, for de decades, Brazil lacks investments. So I see an opportunity. I see a good moment for, for the country to capture that. We need to pursue it. We need to go for without the best practices because the opportunity is captured one by one, project by project, when the project becomes more viable and more attractive. So we have to improve project by project, of course, through capability building, DNA. So I would love to see Brazil capturing this, also progressing towards being, you know, a, a reference on the topic. Thank you very much for this fascinating and full of hope conversation here. <laughs> I enjoyed a lot. And Roberto, I hope you have a great time here in Brazil. I always do. So thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. you, Guilherme. Thank you. And thank you very much for being with us in this conversation. We can keep in touch. If you want to contact our experts, email us at McKinsey-Talks at McKinsey.com. You can also check out this episode and previous ones visiting our website. The link is in the description of this episode. Thank you very much and see you soon.